Hello and welcome to Entmoot, the Battle Games of Middle-Earth podcast, all about the Middle-Earth strategy battle game from Games Workshop. I'm Harry, this is episode 33 of this uh, this exciting podcast, all about tournaments, which we can't go to at the moment, but it doesn't matter, it's still about tournaments and about games, and generally about the strategy battle game that we love so much. And um, it feels like it's been a while since the last episode, because it has been a while, that's, uh, that's undeniable. But uh, this podcast is going to be a little bit different to um, some of the previous podcasts. Um, for instance, there's not going to be an army building segment, so uh, apologies, but you're not going to have a list to uh, hear about on the podcast, which uh, I'm sorry about, but uh, there's going to be plenty of other content, which is hopefully going to be a little bit different to what I usually do, but also, you know, keep things fresh, uh, keep the game interesting, and, you know, just to keep us entertained for a bit. Um, among the people included in today's podcast are some true illuminaries of uh, of the podcasting and SBG content world. We've got uh, none other than the Green Dragons, Jeremy, amazing, uh, he'll be on later on, and, and SBG magazines, The Palantis, Battlestream in Middle-Earths, Damien O'Byrne, yes that's right, uh, it's going to be quite a podcast. Um, uh, we've got actually a really interesting, cool theme uh, to tackle later on. Um, so I'll just get into that, actually. Um, basically, this was all inspired by Damien O'Byrne. Oh, sorry, I've, I've forgotten my third guest. Nathan Talbot, uh, a, a patron supporter, a big fan of the podcast, and uh, he, he's a regular commenter uh, on um, the YouTube videos that I do uh, and the Battlestreams of Middle-Earth uh, videos that I do. Um, so, yeah, very exciting. Um, uh, he's he's a really interesting uh, guy to have a chat to about the, the law as well. So, uh, yes, he'll be coming up later on. I can't forget Nathan. He's an absolute uh, legend as well. So, uh, brilliant. But, yes, I, I suppose I, I left him out of the, the duo there because he, he's not a content creator. But that doesn't matter. Uh, we're, we're a friend of many here and uh, not all about uh, celebrities in the SPG world. Uh, so, anyway, um, what was I saying? I was saying um, this has all been inspired by Damien. Uh, Damien O'Byrne, um, because I watch the Battle Streams of Middle-Earth YouTube uh, channel, and um, this is, uh, if you've never encountered it, this is where him and uh, Steve Crow, uh, also of Top Table Gaming fame, uh, get on the uh, internet on a Friday night, once every couple of weeks, and just talk rubbish, really, um, but mostly around the uh, Battle Games in Middle-Earth magazines, which I named my YouTube channel off and which uh, inspired me to get into the game all those years ago. So uh, it, he did that, and he, he delved, delved deep into the history of Faramir a few weeks back. And and I really enjoyed that segment. I really enjoyed him talking about uh, the character and how, we, how he's reflected in the game. So that's what we're going to do today. Basically, we're talking profiles compared to their lore. So we're doing the lore of the rings. Um, the idea being, there are obviously... Uh, dozens and dozens of profiles in the game um, and based on characters that we know and love from the books and films. But I I, I think there's probably many uh, that you out there listening think, oh, you know what, this does this character a disservice or this uh, profile really, really sells this character, really makes, makes it feel like exactly what they are in the books or films uh, when you're playing on the tabletop. So that's what I, I wanted to talk about today, and um, we've got Jeremy, uh, Nathan, and Damien to talk about some of their characters, favourite or otherwise, uh, throughout the podcast. Um, so that's going to be exciting. Uh, so we've got all that coming up later on in the in the program, uh, and of course we'll also uh, be doing other bits and bobs. For instance, we're going to get straight into uh, because we're not doing an army building segment anymore. We're going to go straight into uh, Riddle in the Dark, which is uh, my little guessing game. So 
Let's hand over to Gandalf. Riddles of the Dark. Yes, indeed. Thanks, Gandalf. Uh, this is Riddles in the Dark. This is the time of the podcast where we play a little game where I play some audio from the uh, films, The Hobbit or The Lord of the Rings trilogy, and you have to try and guess who speaks next and what they say. And I think this one was particularly hard. Um, it sounds a little something like this. Now, you may remember that I gave you uh, an extra episode's worth. So this has been the riddle for a month or so. And that's because, uh, whether people are just not interested in it anymore or not, I don't know. But um, it was it, it, it's, it's proven impossible. Uh, no responses to this riddle in the dark at all, which I find uh, extraordinary. Um, I think, although having said that, uh, listening to it two months later after I recorded it, I didn't know it either, Um, so uh, maybe it is too hard. But either way, we'll reveal the answer in a few seconds, but I also use this moment to have a delve into the entmootpodcast at gmail.com emails because people get in touch about all manner of things, not just about the riddle. But uh, in the future... Try and guess at the riddle as well if you if you if you fancy uh, fancy sending me an email. Uh, it's always good to hear from you. Uh, so let's start with um, uh, this is a continued conversation about uh, legendary legions, which we were talking about. Uh, I can't remember whether it was last issue or the previous issue, but either way, I'm going to go straight into reading an email from Adam Sirens or Sirens. I think it's Sirens. Um, so let's uh, let's have a have a quick. Uh, read through this. He says, Hey Harry, interesting opinions from listeners and yourself about legions and allies. I think there's a fine balance between fluffy, thematic, fun armies and then producing very similar lists. I like the legions and anything that encourages them, after all, that's why this is why we play SBG. Jay and the team have done an exceptional job in making so many balanced armies and I fully support their restrictions on allies, as that is reflected in the rules and their respective points. For example, Gwaihir or Treebeard are leagues above Mordor trolls or the chieftains for their points. Mordor has a huge list which covers all bases something which Radagast Alliance or Fangorn can't do. If we could ally anything to ease restrictions, mono armies would struggle and the theme would fall. As a Mordor player, I see no problem with it in the units being jack-of-all-trades, masters of none, and comparatively weaker than in other lists, as it balances from the fact Mordor, Rohan, uh, Minas Tirith and Isengard have great variety at their disposal. Being an adaptive game balances this as well. Green Dragon just released some cool ideas too, and I think it's important to remember that this game has not fundamentally changed in nearly 20 years. Looking at other games' workshop ranges, that's testament to how well the rules have been written. By the way, it's hilarious how you uh, took the Black Riders for a laugh in one of the early episodes. Maybe that theme overload pushed Jay into making the Legion. Uh, Adam Sorens. P.S. He's narrowed the riddle down to the Hobbit films. More on that in a minute. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I think you, you've kind of summed all that up um, pretty pretty well. Yeah, I, Obviously, uh, we, we were talking about Legend Legion uh, legendary legions perhaps not not working the way that that they wanted to or certainly some of them because they're essentially replacing the allies um, matrix uh, in some ways because you will always for example take uh, a standard rohan army um, uh, as the theoden's right uh, theoden's legendary legion because it just gives you extra stuff um, so i, I what's the point in having the Rohan um, army list of them for allies so uh, you know that sort of thing and and I think Adam Adam kind of nails it you know there's balance and all that sort of stuff and I think I, I do I think I think uh, I think it was Sean who sent the original message I think uh, generally we uh, 
we both and uh, Sean and I both probably understand that it's uh, it, it's a balancing act trying to f- uh, fit a theme around the uh, kind of uh, balancing the lists as well and and I think they do a pretty decent job of it um, and it's fun and I think the the good thing about legendary legions is they do keep the game fresh so as you've mentioned there you know the black riders legendary legion um which I don't think has really gotten a tournament um, uh, play out anywhere here in the UK anyway. Um, but those sorts of things, they just change the meta, which is good, which is good because it means the game stays fresh. It might might ruin some alliances and stuff like that, but I'm not particularly against that. I suppose the downside is, of course, new players getting involved. Um, it just means loads and loads of uh, army books to buy, but that's always been the case with Games Workshop. So at least, as you say, the game is still pretty much the same as it was when it started. So uh, really nice uh, comment, Adam. Uh, do keep your messages coming in, entmootpodcast at gmail.com if you want to continue the Legendary Legion discussion. Um, or you could do something like what Eddie has done. He sent uh, me a message. I think he sent it on my Facebook page. Um he says, I have an army building question. I'm fairly new to MESBG. Uh, he actually says MEBSG, which uh, which I guess uh, shows how new he is. It's MESBG uh, and have never used a dwarf army, but have always wanted to. I'm entering an 850-point tournament with some friends. Do you have a suggested 850-point build for... Kazadum. Now, this is why I didn't do a main army list in the uh, in, in the podcast because I thought this could be uh, basically the army list segment for today. So, here's my suggestion for an 850 point army list. Right. So let's start uh, with this 850 points uh, army with Durin. Now, uh, lots of different people have lots of different choices. Um, so uh, for for this army, I've seen some people do really well with Barlin um, and all that sort of stuff. But I, I guess it's a matter of choice. You have to either choose Durin or Barlin because then it, you, it, that restricts your choices from there. So you can basically go with Durin, King's Champion, Dwarf Kings, and uh, Shield Bearers, and all those sorts of things, or Barlin, Gimli, Floy, uh, and uh, other stuff so what i would do is is as follows i'd start with durin the king of khazadum uh he's he's a pricey uh, pricey hero but he's 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 hard as nails uh, he's very very difficult to kill and he will do a, a solid job of just slowly chopping through stuff then i would have alongside him one dwarf warrior with a banner and shield. Now, banner, really important, um, especially in Maelstrom missions. You want to have a banner next to the next group of people, which is 14 Hearthguard. Now, these are the Khazard Guard that have got the uh, upgrade to give them burly, which means they get plus one when they go two-handed. Uh, so they're strength four and uh, two-handed weapons. So they're always uh, getting a plus one to wound and they're re-rolling the one. So this is an absolute chopper of a unit. Defense seven, fight four, strength four with uh, plus one to wound. So these kill like nobody's business uh, then I'm going to add a Vault Warden team um, I, I really like Vault Wardens um, and it's really really useful to have a high defence um, end of the line defence 9 to just anchor a flank uh, to shield at the flank and then I use the spear to either uh, to back up Durin or maybe to back up a Hearthguard that's uh, in a particularly tricky spot or something uh, it's, you don't get spears in this army normally so it's nice to have that that, that flexibility there and to round off that uh, unit I just fill, it, fill the warband out why not with a Dwarf Warrior with a shield 
So, uh, then we move on. Uh, Warband 2, I've got a King's Champion. Uh, again, uh, this is a killer of a unit. He's strength 5. Uh, he's got 3 attacks. He's fight 6. This is really good. He's got strike. Um, and he's surrounded by 2 banners that make him defence 9. See where I'm going with this. High defence heroes, uh, which can reliably kill stuff. Now, it's worth noting, these aren't sort of chomping through lines of troops kind of vibe. This isn't uh, Aragorn or, or Boromir or someone that you, you can charge into 3 people, uh, you know, call heroic combat, kill all those three and move on. These are reliably killing two people a turn, that sort of thing. Um, I, I wouldn't, I probably wouldn't even spend uh, might on heroic combats all that often with your heroes. They're there just to uh, just to not die and to hold the line uh, while the dwarfs slowly swarm over everything. Then I'm going to throw in more Vault Wardens. Five Vault Warden teams uh, in here. Now, this is a, a idealistic list because Vault Wardens are expensive models and they've got resin versions as well, so they're, the, the spears are a bit bendy and stuff like that. But I really like Vault Wardens. I don't know why you don't see them around as much as you perhaps uh, uh, perhaps could because they're, they're 25 points for the two guys, but that's 12.5 points for a fight for um, defence six guy with a spear which is nothing to be sniffed at, and a fight for guy with a massive shield that makes him defence nine. And that is hard as nails. And yes, uh, you, you know, you get a minus one for the shield guy fighting on his own, but those guys could be so useful for holding up, um, as I said earlier, flanks, or to just be stubbornly uh, sat on an objective on their own with the spears elsewhere. But I really, really like splitting Vault Warden teams up. And of course, against monsters, they've got some bonuses as well, which is ace. But uh, I really, really like these guys, and I think we should see them more often. And even with that minus one to win the combat, um, a shielding Vault Warden will, will just provide an annoyance for a very long time uh, while your other troops do chopping uh, like your King's Champion and your other stuff. Then, uh, for the rest of the uh, warbands, uh, we have a Dwarf King with 11 Dwarf Warriors with shield. Now, this um, this I think, uh, this is a this is probably the, the meat and potatoes. This is the competitive-y bit of the list. And, and I'm not. I'm no uh, expert on this. Uh, talk to Alistair King if you really want to get advice about uh, winning with dwarves or Kalman uh, steals right, uh, who are both much better players uh, than me. But I think this this bit, these eleven dwarf warriors um, with a with a king, they they can march. So the king can march, which is eight. He's fight six. He's high defense. He can he can piercing strike. He's got an axe. Um, he, the, they're powerful. They're good good solid models, and you know that. They're not bad priced. Uh, they're sort of I can't remember the sixty-five points, something like that. Um, and um, they this this unit is going to be the kind of uh, marching forward, um, s sort of grabbing an objective or whatever if you need to. This is one that's going straight forward into the middle, um, and also it's reliable. Um, this isn't this isn't like some dodgy rubbish unit that's going to fall apart if it's caught up in a maelstrom of battle. Uh, it'll actually do okay. Um, it's got eleven guys with shields that can shield, and they fight four, and they've got re-rolling ones on the thing. So um, and high defense. So actually, once you once you get stuck in, this is great. And this as an army. This is this is meaty. This is meaty. There's tons of models here. 44 models at 850 points is actually a really really solid amount of uh, of models. And uh, you're you're a bit low on might. Uh, I'll be honest. Uh, only two might on the king's champion from memory. Oh, I should probably have checked that. Um, but uh, three on Durin and two on the king. So so it's it's a little sparse. It's only seven might. But the strength of the Dwarven army isn't in calling her out moves and getting the jump on people. It's having a numerous, numerous 
dwarves 44 uh, so this is this is above average you know usually you go for sort of one for every 20 points so 850 you're looking for about 42 uh, models that's that's the kind of maths that people say uh, unless you're a really horde army but so say that 44 models this is a solid amount of of models at this point uh, uh, points level and they're all fight for um, the minimum lowest defense is defense six, and that's on your vault warden uh, spears, which are you know behind the lines anyway. Usually they're protecting or backing something up, and you've got a, a, a huge, huge killer um, block of troops in the hearth guard, which will just mow through anything, and I mean anything. We're talking cave trolls, we're talking big monsters. I, I once did a, a battle report against a mummock where Durin and his hearth guard just churned through a mummock in a few turns. I mean, this is um, this is not this is not to be sniffed at this uh, this list. And and actually, you don't have very much might. Fine, but you can just launch into something, move forward, get into the right uh, place, and then uh, sort of just not die, and then slowly churn through, because your defence is high, you're killing stuff. Um, I think that they're not so great at manoeuvring and things like that, but um, I I, I think that you can do it. I've seen other people do it really well, um, but just don't rely on your your big heroes to do do all the work. In fact, you kind of want um, enemy casters and stuff to be focusing on your big heroes, neutralizing them every turn while you're 15 half guard or 14 half guard and your dwarves just chop through stuff so there you go that's my answer to your question um i i hope that answers your question to an extent eddie um i i don't know the the, the difference with a barlin army i really don't know what you should start with um other than barlin um i've seen people have great success with barlin um floy and uh, dwarf captains and then having bows and ballistas and stuff like that i don't personally like having bows and ballistas i mean maybe uh, rather than the dwarf king you could drop a dwarf ballista in there or maybe you could give those dwarf warriors bows to give them a bit of uh, a uh, sort of ranged punch which might be useful uh, you might end up losing one or, or so model uh, to give most of those bows but actually um i i think i think that you'll find that that dwarves do a solid job and if you're a good player they'll they'll do you well so um what do you think uh entmootpodcast at gmail.com um i really appreciate you asking the question eddie um and if you're listening thinking that was a crap list uh why did you suggest that to eddie poor old eddie just getting into spg and he's been given a terrible list by harry uh get in touch entmootpodcast at gmail.com and i'm always willing to ask these answer these sorts of questions if you have ideas for uh, uh army lists or 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 whatever or or you want me to come up with a list on a certain subject then i'll give you my two pence worth i'm no list building competitive genius but i can certainly give it a bash uh so get in touch podcast at gmail now we we said something about riddles a few minutes ago before we started the email so let's crack on with the riddles in the dark for this episode So the general gist is, uh, you have to tell me who speaks after that clip. Uh, So who was it who speaks next? Well, the answer was, of course... That's right, Theoden, Theoden. I love that moment as well, and I'm really surprised uh, we didn't get any correct answers. But that's okay. That's okay. You can try again in the next uh, Riddle in the Dark. Um, I hope you. I hope it wasn't too hard for you. Uh, but I will set another one um, by doing something like this.
caught you off guard there, didn't I? Didn't I? Ha <laughs> ha. Right. So that is this new riddles in the dark. So what is uh, what is the person who? Well, let's. What is? Who speaks next? And what do they say? Right. Uh, here we go. Let's have another listen. Okay, one more time. Who speaks next and what do they say? If you think you know, entmootpodcast at gmail.com. That's entmootpodcast at gmail.com. Get in your uh, your ideas and also list ideas or whatever uh, if you have any comments or want me to just uh, wax lyrical about something, usually I'm willing to do just that. So uh, whether it's, I don't know, the new uh, Treebeard model or the new uh, Easterling models or whatever, uh, which have been covered in the Entmoot Live po- uh, video, which uh, is out on there on YouTube. So uh, if you don't know, uh, Entmoot Live on the Battle Games in Middle Earth YouTube channel, I talk more about the news side of things because these podcasts are meant to be more timeless or they're trying to be anyway with that in mind let's move on to the next segment of the show so I mentioned right at the start what we're going to do in the, uh, this podcast is the law of the rings which uh, is probably the title and um, so essentially we're having a delve into the backstory of some of the characters in the game and seeing whether their models accurately reflect uh, what those characters are like. So let's have a bit of a chat with some um, some people from the game. We're going to start with Jeremy from the Green Dragon. Hello, I'm glad you got me over. The quarantine was a bit of a pain, but uh, oh, I'm glad to be there visiting Harry. Yeah, it's really nice to have you here in the UK. I know that you had to pay, uh, like I think it's £2,500 <laughs> or something for a, a quarantine hotel that the government's forcing on people at the moment, but it's really nice to have you over uh, and back on Entmoot Podcast. I think it's well worth the trip. I absolutely. Look, if it, I only had time to do the one stopover because all the quarantine, but that's it's absolutely worth it to just come in, do the do the recording, and get out. I think that's an absolute great use of time, Harry. I think I completely agree. I completely agree. Um, well, it's a pleasure to have you back. I think the last time we spoke to you, um, it was uh, in relation to my sort of virtual tournaments, and you had your virtual army, and uh, you were very keen on uh, mm. and explaining how you'd done conversions in this virtual army, and we we confused some people because people were thinking that that there were actual <laughs> armies that you converted and things like that. But uh, it's nice to have you return in a in a slightly different format. Yes, yeah. Oh no, it's it's nice to be back. It's good to hear a familiar voice and and be able to interact because normally I just get you like all the listeners just uh, you you telling us and, and imparting your wisdom. So it's nice to be able to interact and try and throw you off guard a little bit sometimes. I know. I I, I can sense the, uh, the that you're trying already or you're going to try already. But um, uh, as as everyone listening already knows, we're we're here to talk about the law of the rings. And um, so we want want to basically get some ideas of um, of profiles that that you think match the the books or match the films particularly well. So we're we're, we're keeping positive in this one. We're not talking about negative ones. Maybe we'll do uh, bad profiles in, in another edition. But um, first of all, before we get into that, and obviously at the moment. You, you've just released a, a podcast in the last few weeks, um, and and you've also uh, been able to play a lot more games. So, uh, what's gaming been like for you uh, uh, down south at the moment? I mean, are you getting many games in? 
I'm actually getting quite a few games in. We're doing it. We've made a little uh, gaming group at, at David, who's a member of the Green Dragon podcast, on occasionally. Uh, his house, he's hosting us. Uh, it's quite a way out from, from the main city area. But we're, we're at the moment, we're not in a lockdown. Uh, that, that can change, of course. Like, like everywhere else in the world, you've got to be on guard. Mm-hmm. But we, we go and we, we put our masks on. And we, we play uh, some games on Friday evenings uh, weekly at the moment, which has been a great fun. Uh, I've been doing a mixture of scenarios and small points match games with some new players so it's been interesting to have that that developing group it feels really uh, like it did at the beginning of the game system where there was small pockets of people playing and there wasn't a big global scene so i haven't really had much interest in doing any sort of like competitive events all i'm interested in doing is to to put down some models and to teach some new players how to play and get them enthusiastic while also trying out some of the scenarios so i played around osgiliath a bit i've explored arnor a bit and, and having a good time Oh, wow. That sounds amazing. Has there been any particular standout scenarios or matches that you've played the last few few days and weeks? We just have to live vicariously at the moment here in the UK. <laughs> there was an Osgiliath scenario in uh, the war, uh, Gondor at War book. Uh, it's on a two foot by four foot board. So already it piqued my interest because usually when you get that odd shaped board size, someone's put some real thought into the scenario. And it was um, the Wraith uh, on wings basically trying to hunt down Frodo like in the movie where Faramir was taking... Uh, Frodo and Sam and Gollum through Osgiliath. Yes. And it, it just played so cinematically. It was really, really an interesting game. And, and there was a, a lot going on, multiple objective orcs coming on on all sides, uh, the good models coming on on all sides, and lots of street fighting, but also with this key piece. So that one I really, really enjoyed. And uh, I put it down just in the hope that it, but it was a good one, and it really was. So that was probably my highlight at the moment. And it's one that... Uh, it doesn't have really difficult to find models. I know it's got a few of the new Ranger characters, but I think it's one that a lot of us have in our collections. And, and I wouldn't mind uh, seeing people do that virtually. You know, a lot of people have been playing uh, almost online where they, someone sets up a board with a camera and the other person plays along. I think that would be a perfect one because the board you can fit on a small table and and there's a lot of, of action based on the characters and it's very recognizable. So I can, I can imagine seeing someone throw that up on YouTube at some point in the future because it really was a good scenario. Oh wow, that that sounds really cool. And um, and as you mentioned, some of the characters, the ranger characters. I mean, you can always just use some old ranger models, or like ranger models, or something like that, and and you'll be able to crack on with it. That sounds amazing. And and it actually leads in quite nicely uh, with a ring wraith in there into into one of your favourite profiles in the book. So I've been uh, talking about this throughout the podcast about um, profiles that you think particularly match. Um, the the sort of way characters work or way um, uh, races work or, or whatever in the books and films and and you have one for me Jeremy you have a have a profile and I've already teased it at it so <laughs> far but uh, let, let's kick off with the with the main segment and um, what is your your Law of the Ring favorite profile or one of them anyway. So when I was reading Lord of the Rings and then watching Lord of the Rings, one of the, the characters that always stood out to me were the Black Riders, the, the Ringwraiths. They, they, just that horror aspect to them and the, the, that impending doom that, that you just don't want them to catch you. And a lot of it was almost imagined horrors, like what they would do. And yeah, I know they got to Frodo and they got the stab with the, 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 the Morgul Blade and then essentially just disappeared. They did their little little wound and then they were satisfied and they're almost job done. And I feel that's, that's a character that... Uh, when, I, when I first heard that, that Games Workshop was doing a Lord of the Rings game all the way back, that was a character mm-hmm. I thought that they really had to get right because it, it was such a different way of playing. It's not a character that you expect to just run through an army and just kill everything. It's a, an, a little 
assassination character, but also has to be really scary, really intimidating, and and a constant menace. And I think the the game has really nailed it. I thought the movies nailed it, quite frankly, as well. I thought just the image was fantastic, but the the game, the way that the the ring wraiths uh, can do pretty much anything you want for the army except run through a big horde and just destroy things. They've got to they've got to move things around subtly. They've got to whisper in people's ears. They've got to uh, wound them with their, their black darts and their morgul blades. And uh, it, it seems like a really interesting character. And it's one that I just find that, that whenever it's on the table, I get that Lord of the Rings sense. I get that sense of impending doom. I get that sense that I do not want these guys to catch my character. Whether I'd have a ring bearer or not, I do not want these guys near my character because they they can make a mess of my plans and they can make a mess of my story. And I just think it's it's so evocative. And whenever I'm trying to get a new player in, I try to include ring wraiths as soon as possible. I know they're complex in the game, but they really do show off Lord of the Rings. I, I, yeah, I think there's, it's a really, really good choice of, of profiles that work so well to represent what it is, as, uh, particularly because I think um, you can use them in so many different ways, can't you? And you can have different variants, you know, the, the way you build a, a ring ray for having sort of either zero might, seven will and uh, uh, zero fate. You can you can have that sort of really, really basic ring wraith, but also you can have um, other kinds of ring rays as well that are sort of super powered and all that sort of stuff. So I, I, I love that about it. And I think some of those early scenarios, I don't whether uh, have you seen uh, the or played any of the uh, Quest of the Ringbearer ones? Some of those early scenarios when there's a lot of sentry work and they're sort of sort of hovering around in the woods and near the Brandywine Bridge and things like that. Um, it, it does feel very evocative, and I think yeah, you're right. They've done a really good, great job of of capturing that. Yeah, the way they interact with even just hobbits. So hobbits uh, have a chance to win the game against them, but they also interact well with the the really powerful models. And all the scenarios of the ring rapes are, are really good fun and tell that story. And uh, it's it's so much fun. And then later on, I, I remember the the feeling when the books where you first had the wraiths suddenly on wings. So they, they had gone away for a while. They're, they're no longer black riders and, and okay, they're, they're all right. We're, we've gone, this terror's gone. And then they came back just flying overhead and just the, the wraiths on, on fell beasts and trying to imagine what a fell beast was and having that. And I just love that that, that suddenly is is an upgrade for them, but also they play in a similar way. They just, they just do it in a different way and it adds to their power. So I, oh, I just love the ring wraiths. And, and as I said, that scenario stood out because it had the big fell beast in it and, and oh, great. Absolutely, I, I mean, I'm, I'm with you there, and, and the, um, the, the I think the Felbies uh, historically have been a little bit too powerful, almost, because in the it, you know in the film we see them literally sort of fly away after being shot at with one arrow from uh, Faramir, and they uh, and and I think in the books this I can't remember the moment, but someone does the similar sort of thing in the books, don't they? And and they are they're not like sort of ch- ever charging headlong into troops, except when the Witch King does it in uh, the the later films, but they're, they're kind of. Now that now they've only got two attacks and they're kind of a bit uh, they sort of fly away if you kill them and and all these sorts of things I feel like that they can they can really capture that sort of aesthetic. They do. They're they're almost like a, a cowardly hunter because they, they go and you know that they could cause huge amounts of damage, but they're also in a way so fragile as well. So you really have got to be careful with them as an evil player. Mm. And that plays exactly how I imagine they would have gone from the books where they just they just wait. They bide their time. And then as soon as they see a Frodo and Sam on their own, they detect them. Then they're going to go in and make a mess of them and then just fly away and not bother with the rest of the armies. They don't care about fighting pitch battles. They want to go get their objective, sort it out, and then, then go. Absolutely, and and just uh, just before we sort of finish off talking about the ring wraith, um, uh, there are a couple of things in the profile that work really well to to uh, illustrate that. In, in particular, the will of evil. 
Yeah, the Will of Evil puts a timer on on what your Wraith can do, and it's it's in a similar way to to Might keeps your hero going at full power. the The Will of Evil means that when when the Wraiths go, the more they fight, the the more tired they get. But I really love the twist where they don't lose the will when they're they're going into a ring bearer. So it really focuses them on that ring bearer and and keeping them alive that way. But it also means that that. Once again, you've got to choose your targets. You don't just want to throw them into to lots of Gondorian warriors. You want to fly over the top of them and see if you can find a way to scatter the troops and and jump into your target. And they've also got that uh, the new one, the instill fear, where you go and mm. you spread out the targets. And I think that's such a good weapon from a story point of view because that's what I imagine the Wraiths would have done. They're using terror as their main weapon, moving people around, scaring them off, and then the rest of the troops will go and attack a, a confused line. The instill fear it kind of it picks up to me that moment in the in the film where they're attacking Frodo and everyone on the on Weathertop and they kind of push everyone aside and Frodo kind of falls over because he's sort of so frightened by them. That feels like that kind of that that instill fear. He's getting a six and he's you know he's pushing them all to the side. <laughs> it does, doesn't it? Although in game terms, unfortunately, it's that's probably more the compels job. But uh, yeah, it's true. It, yeah, because the instill fear tends to work a lot more on on really weak minds. Hobbits aren't aren't True. the weakest of minds, but uh, yeah, you're right. Just that 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 moment where they just they just plow forward essentially, and and the hobbits don't know what to do. They're holding their weapons up, but they they're not brave enough to go and fight them. And until you get a, a strider coming in to help out. I think it's a it's a really good choice, and and kudos to to the game makers. I, I'd imagine it would have been Rick Priestley or Alessio Cavatori who came up with uh, the the whole Ringwraith profile, and and it has endured over well nearly twenty years of the game. I think so. I think it definitely would have been one of Rick's early ones, if not not some of the other ones. But it has with very little changes, and and it's just been been so good. So yeah, absolutely nailed it on the head. And I think if they didn't, I think it would the game would have suffered a huge amount because you need that character to be one that matches the story. Absolutely, absolutely. It's a crucial, crucial story. Well, Jeremy, brilliant for the the first one, and you're going to come back later on in the podcast and talk to us about another of your favourite heroes, this time a good one. Yeah, just wait in the green room. Thanks for that, Harry. We'll check on Jeremy in the green room later on in the podcast. Uh, but great choice. Absolutely fantastic choice for uh, a profile that's that really is evocative of the, the books and the films. Um, but now... Let's get someone else on who's got perhaps a profile that, that's a little bit lacklustre. Um, not all of the profiles in the game are perfect, as we all uh, know. I'm, I'm sure that's not, uh, that's not being mean to any of the, uh, the writers or any of the people involved in the game. But I think this one is an excellent choice. And my guest for this segment is Nathan Talbot. Nathan Talbot is a patron supporter of the podcast. Uh, he supports the channel. Um, he's He's got some dice and all that sort of stuff, and he's entered into prize draws every month. Um, and he's supporting me on uh, Battle Games in Middle-Earth Patreon. So uh, if you want to join in and get all that sort of stuff, uh, head over to there, www.patreon.com slash Battle Games in Middle-Earth. But let's get Nathan on and find out what his choice for a profile, which perhaps is a little bit disappointing compared to the character in the books. Hello, Harry. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. And yourself, yeah. uh, from a cupboard under the stairs, I understand. I am, yes, yes, like Harry Potter. 
Yes, absolutely. Uh, because of sound quality, it's going to be uh, muffled and all that sort of stuff. It's going to be great. Uh, coming on the stairs. Um, so, Nathan, first of all, um, you're actually uh, relatively close to me in terms of uh, geography. Mm-hmm. You're in, in Lincolnshire itself. Yeah. Uh, I'm in Lincoln. Um, and you're down the road in Grantham. But we've never met. Um, so just tell me a bit about you uh, and how you got into um, the Lord of the Rings strategy battle game or Middle Earth or Hobbit strategy battle game, whichever one was your first. Yeah, so my very first was uh, it would have been with the Battlekings Middle Earth magazines like so many others yeah indeed. Um, it was I was already a fan of the, the books and the films um, with a, and a passing interest in Warhammer style bits and pieces but nothing had actually come along that I thought this is really for me and then I think I must have picked up five or six of the first magazine with the goblins in mm. and then from there it just got silly really because <laughs> it was obviously a, a really good way i was at a good age with a little bit of disposable income to just uh re- really pile into in, in, into that and uh and yeah it, it was right so was in. this like pocket money era or was this did you have a job then it was kind of in between the two it was mm. the, the first job of no hourly rate to speak of but with no no expenses so it was uh kind of on the cusp of reality really <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm with you there and and so many got into that um but then didn't really translate into actually sort of you know playing the game regularly or finding people to play the game with was that the case with you it was for a while which was fine because then and even now painting and building and everything and even just the collecting is is, is a much more accessible part of the hobby um but i, I, I did I did get into a few tournaments um, kind of later on and local store stuff and local area stuff. So it, I, I, was able to, I wasn't able to play as much as I would have liked, but it wasn't a huge deal. Um, but probably that that kind of, yeah, that, that, that's, that's kind of the difference between then and now really on where I, where I plan on taking my hobby, I suppose. Fantastic. So so where are you now? And other than the cupboard under the stairs, what what's uh, hobbying like for you uh, in 2021? Uh, it's sort of plodding along nicely. Um, I, I picked up the Pelennor Fields box roughly a year ago now, after a few years away from Lord of the Rings specifically, as just kind of a, a nice lockdown project, and it's escalated from there, as I'm sure everyone is, is, is fully aware can happen. Um, so I'm currently, I've got a few projects on the go in the hope of getting to tournaments this year. Um, hopefully some more Mordor and Minas Tirith stuff would be nice to uh, to finish off, as kind of, if I can be took off my bingo charts, that would be brilliant. Amazing, and so so you you picked it up, and then you fell down the rabbit hole literally, and and I know this for a fact because um I I got some comments on some of my uh, very early um, <laughs> uh, Entmoot posts and uh, Battle Games in Middle Earth uh, videos on YouTube, and you've been falling down the the rabbit hole literally, um, watching pretty much from what I gather every single um, YouTube video pod, listening to every podcast there is to mm-hmm. be heard or or seen about the strategy battle game. Is that right? It does feel like it sometimes. Yes, um, I've kind of. I've I've just absorbed content, um, which has been fantastic, <laughs> because it, it's, it's obviously been, been an odd year for unnamed reasons for lots of lots of people, um, and it was just, and it's, it almost gives you a social element to to your hobby in what is a very sort of insular time. So it was, it was brilliant to have so many options about and di- different styles, and uh, yeah, I think yours was one of the first to uh, crop up on my on my list of sort of research, I guess. 
Oh, brilliant. Well, well, I'm I'm glad for the support, and 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 I know you've you've then since delved into Green Dragon podcast and mm-hmm. uh, and um, the Battle Streams in Middle Earth. I've seen you pop up on the comments on there as well. Mm-hmm. So uh, so yeah, it's it's a great time to be a, a an enthusiast in the SBG scene. So so that's why I kind of asked you um, to appear on this episode because I've seen your comments um, cropping up everywhere, and mm-hmm. and you seem to be quite a kind of uh, a, well, I'd suppose it's a law buff in. Some ways you're you're you 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 know your history you're a big fan of the books and the films as you've already mentioned and so i wanted to find out a little bit more about you first first and foremost but also your kind of your choice of a profile that uh, you really or a character that you like in the books mm-hmm. uh, and how that is reflected in the game so i've given you that challenge um what's the profile you've chosen and um and i suppose why have you chosen this uh, this profile to talk about today Okay, so I've chosen... Now, obviously, I could have spoken about anyone. Um, yes. But Berigond, Guard of the Citadel, was my choice. Because within the books, he's he's really, really quite vital to the Return of the King era. Um, but within the game, he's perhaps not re- represented quite so characterfully. Um, or in the films, of course. He's lacking a little. Yeah, he's an interesting choice because, as you quite rightly point out, he's he's there in the game and he's obviously there in the books, but he has a big role in the books. Um, you know, he, he's the, the character that Pippin sort of in, is introduced to when he gets to Minas Tirith mm-hmm. and, you know, shows him around the walls and they become really close friends and, and he becomes almost this sort of pal, this kind of brother-in-arms to Pippin. And yet, A, he's not in the film and his profile in the game is a little lacklustre. Yeah, yeah, sadly. I mean, he's got a generic captain profile, I would say. Even worse. Well, yeah, yeah. So, so in terms of uh, what what in terms of the profile, what would you like to see? I mean, uh, let, well, let's for people who don't know much about Berigond, um just give us a sort of summary of of, of the some of his some of his highlights through his career in the in the books. Um because uh, he he gets he gets up to a fair amount of mischief. Yeah, so pre um Siege of Gondor, not much is known about him because he's just a, he's a guard of the Citadel. I would imagine a life of service is pretty restrictive. He, he's never left Minas Tirith, and uh, and he's got no real knowledge of the outside world. Um, although he's very he's very curious about the hobbits and um, and the, the the adventures that Pippin has gone on when he met him. Um, he, he's kind of a really interesting uh, exposition character that sets up Minas Tirith without it being from the eyes of a main character. Um, so he introduces Pippin to the to the. Uh, to the Minas Tirith, he teaches them the passwords and all the kind of bits and pieces. Uh, they talk to him. They talk a lot about the sort of threat of Gondor and his love for Faramir. Um, interestingly, it's actually Beragond in the book who says, "This is the deep breath before the plunge," which is one of Gandalf's key film lines. Yeah, absolutely. It stands out as one of those just really important moments. Sorry, yeah, that line in the in in the I think it was one of the ones that was used in the trailer and things like that. Mm-hmm. So that that was a big line for Gandalf, and yeah, it was stolen. Yep, very much so. Yeah, um, the, the setup of the scene is basically the same, um, except it's Beragond and Pippin having a picnic rather than Gandalf and Pippin. So, yeah, a, a, a funny important scene, but a character swap there. And and that's not the only time he's sort of replaced by someone, is it? No, not at all. Basically, anything he does in the book is covered by someone else in the films. He, he rescues Faramir from Denethor's madness um, and kills some people in the process, which is, he's incredibly feels guilty for. Pippin and Gandalf do that themselves. Um, at the Black Gate, he goes on to fight a, a troll chieftain um, and is nearly killed by him, but fortunately his friendship with Pippin kicks in and Pippin saves his life 
by killing the troll. And there are moments like that that are obviously really vital to the story that other characters can can take over. The, the more heroic film characters, I suppose. Yeah, and, and you can sort of understand why they would have done that because, you know, taking away all these really heroic moments and giving them to a character that you've just introduced in the third film uh, yep. is, is difficult. It sort of undermines some of the other characters and you're kind of making room for these these moments. But yeah. either way, it says a lot about a character uh, like Beragond when you're being replaced by people like Aragorn, Gandalf, Faramir. You know, the, these, are, these are the big names in the films. Yeah. And I suppose, uh, I suppose because of that... Um, I, I, I guess it, it, it identifies him as being a a big character, an important character. So in the game, I mean, we've already touched on it a little mm. bit. Uh, just have a quick summary of the profile. And, and what do you think of his profile generally? So I think a 30-point minor hero with a small warband, it's it's fine. It's uh, If you want a cheap hero to put in there, then great, it works. But ultimately, there are other, there are better, better ways of spending the points, especially within the ministerial list. So like I said, the generic captains are better. The, the bodyguards are a useful thing on a hero. But beyond, even his heroic actions, heroic accuracy is nice, but that's it. So um, yeah, he's really lacking a special rule, really. Yeah, he doesn't have any of the rules that you would expect for someone who can easily sort of, well, not easily, but who's who's fighting a troll at some point. You know, it would mm. be nice to have. If, I think it's it's rare for characters who can heroic strike to have just one point of might, for example. Mm-hmm. That would be a great thing to represent that fight with Beragon, who, you know, yeah. uh, with the troll, when he, you know, musters up the courage to take on a troll for a turn, that sort of thing. Yeah. That would be really cool. But uh, yeah, sadly, he's missing that. But I guess the key thing is, I think he's only got, what, one might, one will and one fate? Or something uh, generally, right. or is he a bit? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. One of each, yeah. And he's really cheap. He is just—I mean, I think the general sort of man profile is fine for him. Mm-hmm. But yeah, his 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 heroic stats don't quite reflect the character in the book. And um, but I guess the real downside, real sort of disappointment for Berigond is he doesn't really have a special special rule of any kind. No, even like say just a one shot, one time big moment would be perfect. Um, but yeah, bo- bodyguard is it, which is fine but um, that you can get that within troops so yeah it's it's unfortunate you almost want yeah i mean the bodyguard i, I suppose the bodyguard sort of represents him going well i can charge a troll and you know mm-hmm. that sort of stuff but I, I, you, you want you want something hopefully that would even a linked rule with Pippin where Pippin can you know heroic combat to his aid which we've seen lots of other characters get similar sort of boosts like you've got your, your Sam and Rosie and your uh, Sam and Frodo uh, rule about heroic combats to help each other and Eowyn and Thed and all those sorts of things they would be great sort of ideas for Pippin and uh, and Beragond and it would also give you an incentive to put both of those in a thematic list where you could have you know Pippin and Beragond which aren't the greatest choices for a ministerial list but you might get like a free heroic combat from Pippin so it, it gives you that little extra incentive to take him oh definitely yeah 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 the, any kind of synergy characters are great are great fun and, and that's mm. um yeah Pippin would, would be the obvious but you, I, you you could I guess you could throw in a, a cheap I love Faramir style rule but bodyguard kind of covers that anyway but yeah like, uh, some kind of synergy with another small character um the two Citadel sort of guard heroes together would would be fantastic yeah, I totally agree. I, I mean, even something like I say that he's he's famous for this this moment of uh, of uh, surviving against a troll, although Pippin saves him. You, you could have something I don't know, like a free heroic defense if you're fighting a troll, or yeah, oh, I don't know, yeah. or something like that would be nice, wouldn't it? Yeah, I mean, it, 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 even to be honest, just having heroic defense with his one point of might 
for that one moment when he could take on something bigger. That would suddenly com- combine with bodyguard really nicely. Um, Even che- I don't think having something like that in his profile would completely ruin him as a as a character because you think well at the thirty points you know he's not going to be making him overpowered by just giving him the option to either heroic strike or defense yeah. in a in a situation so it'd be lovely to see that and. Um, and and even I know you mentioned you want to talk a bit more about Faramir as well because you know his love of Faramir and all that and and he sort of goes on to become his like what, his squire or his ward or something like that doesn't he? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, for abandoning his post at, uh, at Minas Tirith to save Faramir, um, he, he should be punished by death um, with execution. But Aragorn, being the perfect man, um, punishes him with exile instead, and he's made captain of the White Count uh, the White Council. Not not the White Council. That would be a hell of a promotion. That, that um, would be a promotion. <laughs> uh, he's made the, the captain of the um, of Faramir's White Company. Sorry, when when he mm. moves to Athelion, um, which is his punishment is to serve the captain he loves most of all for for the rest of his days, which seems a pretty decent punishment, really. Yeah, um, as punishments go, it's not bad, is it? No, no. Well, it, it is an interesting one, and I think this, there's there's probably a dozen or so characters like Beragond in mm. in the books that I, I wonder whether it's something to do with it being quite an old profile, mm. which um, has been, you know Beragond has been around since uh, since the Return of the King, I think the in terms of the uh, the, the models and the the edition of the game, uh, I, I seem to remember him coming out around the same time as Denethor and people like that. So um, maybe it's just because back then he was kind of special but now he's kind of he's lost that that sort of special place because you know you've got people like Hurin and Ingold and Irilas and um, uh, some of the other sort of ranger characters that have been replaced that potentially replaced the option of having him as a good choice I mean I know he was taking quite a lot um, during the Hobbit era because he could de- lead 12 troops and he was a very cheap, cheap yeah. guy but now it, it doesn't feel like there's much space for him in a competitive list anyway no I don't think so um, I think because even I mean, the, the point spent on him because he's not bringing a huge amount, you could spend the same points on maybe three Siege of Guard anyway, um, and probably get more more out of them on the table than out of just him himself, which is kind of a shame. Yeah, I think uh, I mean I guess it's useful having a guy with bodyguard who sure. can set up with some archers in the back or and take objectives or whatever and harass people from the side, and you can know that they're gonna keep that objective as long as your leader survives and things like that. But and and having a might point on an archer is okay, but generally i don't think you probably weren't going to take him in a competitive game so it would be lovely to have something just to nudge people towards going well you know let's 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 have a have i don't know let's let's give him something special to give him a chance at, at competing against some of those other other ministerial characters we're so awash with at the moment yeah he, he does suffer from being in such such a broad army um or an mm. army list sorry um because there yeah there are so many other options and and sadly even for the cheap ones, there are, there are other options that work potentially better. Which is it's a, it's a real shame. Um, he'll certainly be in my army, uh, <laughs> but uh, that that probably is more a reflection of my position on various performance tables. So. <laughs> Yeah, well, uh, to be fair, I've taken him in uh, a few armies before. Uh, I, in my trebuchet, my multiple trebuchet army, mm-hmm. he's he's always a fixture in that, so that I can uh, get enough troops on the table and, and sure. have a nice thematic army with him. But uh, he he isn't he is probably not the most optimized choice. Let's put it that way. But either way, um, it, it, it's been a pleasure, Nathan, having you on. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't I know you you sort of when when I, I messaged you asking about this law kind of idea, you kind of had a had a few sort of suggestions. You you thought. Um, 
you might uh, might want to want to talk about. But I know you wanted to. Uh, you thought about that Berrigond was one of the one of the better ones. Um, but mm-hmm. I, and you also said Eowyn and things like that. I mean, do you think uh, just on the off the top of your head, um, Eowyn being a uh, another character that that you think does is it is that more that you think the game does a good job of representing rather than um, the Berrigond being sort of one that's perhaps not the best represented? Um, yeah, I mean, I think Eowyn. Now, with with the combined profile with uh, with Mary, is is kind of well reflected. Um, standard Eowyn, perhaps not so much. Um, but again, and it's, no, it's another important character that perhaps that's a natural shift away from the the, the narrative characters that are more fu- are more fun or have specific purposes or moments within the story, as opposed to the heroic army mm. building um, characters. And Eowyn, Beragond, people like that probably suffer a lot for that. Yes, I think they're they're definitely more suited for the scenarios, aren't mm. they? Really, than than uh, competitive gameplay. But either way, I, I yeah. mean, I, I've always thought there's there's definitely something in an in a kind of alliance of Eowyn and um, and Faramir leading sort of with Beragond leading an army post War of the Ring and all that sort of stuff. Having sort of Eowyn in her in a in a dress, not mm-hmm. in a, a sort of Dea what what's it Dea Dernhelm um, version, yeah. and you know leading some Rohan guard and and all that sort of thing. That there'd be there'd be something. Uh, great fun about doing that army and it's, it's yeah. something uh, I'd like funnily to enough I did consider. actually um, I don't think I won but there was a local there was a store event that I took an army similar to that, um, that at the time I think I went a bit heavy on um, uh, rangers and it was considered slightly cheesy which didn't huh. sit too comfortably but um, yeah th- I had some success previously with that which was good fun um, so yeah m- maybe it's something to be revisited or maybe even a legendary legion sometime Maybe, just maybe. It'd be lovely to see some legendary legions focusing on on post War of the Ring mm. and and all that sort of stuff. Some just some maybe just some ideas or, or, or I don't know. It'd just be nice. Although having said that, if if you whack a legendary legion in there, then suddenly everyone starts doing it. It becomes less special and less interesting. So That's I, I kind of like it when <laughs> uh, when you're flexible to make these alliances and go, hey, look, I've the, I'm the person who's come up with this fun alliance that's mm. that's thematic, and there's no way you can call it cheesy because there's no cheesy special rules to go with it. Um, so. Maybe that would be uh, more special uh, that way. But uh, either way, Nathan, um, I, I really appreciate a, your, your support on on the podcast. I know you, you've been, uh, as you say, you've been dredging through all of the content. So apologies <laughs> for for all the all the time you spent listening to my voice and uh, watching me on the old YouTube and and, and on the podcast. But re- I really appreciate all the support you've given me over the last uh, year or so. Uh, so it seems only right that you uh, that I, I pay you back in some way by sort of pestering you for twenty minutes and and mm. forcing everyone else to listen to. You your voice and uh, and I appreciate the idea of Berrigond I think uh, he's a great choice of a profile that perhaps is a little bit lacking compared to uh, yeah, the character in the so. books yeah well thanks for coming on Nathan I appreciate it uh, you're welcome Nathan Talbot there, talking about Berrigon, Guard of the Citadel. A great choice of a profile that just needs a bit more because he is a cool character. Berrigon's a great character and he's actually sort of a relatively major character in The Return of the King of the Book, but he doesn't even get a scene in, in the movie, sadly. So uh, it's nice It's nice to think that in the game he could reflect the, the coolness of the book and yet uh, still sadly lacking. But a great choice, Nathan, and uh, nice uh, to hear Nathan's voice. Um, I've, I've seen his comments and... Uh, uh, various different messages from from him over the last year or so uh, since he started supporting uh, various different SBG content. So it's lovely to put a voice to the name on the uh, the message boards, as it were. 
Now, uh, I'll just, just wonder, I'll see if uh, Jeremy from the Green Dragon is okay in the green room. Um, Jeremy, are, are you okay? Traps win games. Yeah, I, th- I think he's fine. I think he's fine. Right, well, with that in mind, we'll come back to Jeremy later on to find out his good profile uh, that he's chosen to to big up. Um, but I-, I wanted to talk to someone who kind of inspired this whole idea, um, the whole idea of, of kind of delving deep into characters and lore. I mentioned at the start of the podcast, uh, this is because of the Battle Streams in Middle Earth YouTube videos, um, where uh, Damien and Steve spend sort of hours talking about the battle streams in uh, sorry battle games in middle earth magazines which my youtube channel is named after and uh, once uh, damien did delve deep into the histories of faramir and, and how he's represented in the game so i thought well let's get damien back on and have him choose his favorite character and how that is represented hello how are you doing sir i'm very very well thank you very much um it's, it's 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 an honor to have you on i mean i've, I've been <laughs> listening to to the the b signs the battle streams in middle earths over the last few months food it feels like uh, they've been going forever but uh, they're actually relatively new to the to yeah, the po- podcast and uh, sbg content world but but you're thank you very much for the support there. no no I, I i appreciate um the, the content um but you're you're definitely not new to the sbg content world it for people who've never come across you and i don't really know how that's possible um give us your your resume i mean you've got quite an impressive <laughs> one <laughs> Uh, oh god yeah i don't know um I, I i suppose i started out on this sort of stuff on the on the g rich hill podcast in its um in its heyday back around 2014 um kind of joined james and jamie on there and then with mr thomas harrison um started doing the palantir which um we we did for for many years um and we had enjoyed that quite a lot and we got to episode 99 and then finished it like like all good things do um and then <laughs> had some had some years in in the wilderness i think of of not really doing much in the way of youtube and then kind of teamed up again with steve uh, my my former um gbhl uh compatriot to do um to start battle streams in middle earth um as a, as a show about a year ago and as a its own YouTube channel about um half a year ago now I think amazing and and it's fair to say yeah. it, it's fair to say you're probably i mean you you were definitely a competitive player at one stage but you're definitely mm. in deep in terms of Tolkien's law and the the theme <laughs> side of things i mean uh, not just the the the, the magazines and uh, the SPG magazine and and the battle streams in middle earth um fantasy fellowship you've done now but but even the mm. tournament you run this is this is kind of you really isn't it yeah, I, I certainly think now. I don't want to be disingenuous about it. I, I was, I was as competitive as anyone. You know, at one point, I was certainly, um, you know, going to tournaments to to try and win and taking competitive lists and and that sort of thing. But I've, I've certainly had a um, had a big swing in the last um, few years. I think it was basically since my daughter was born. As soon as it, was, it started a bit before that, but as soon as my daughter was born, I was going to less tournaments. So you, I had to have a rethink about what I wanted to get out of tournaments, essentially. Yeah. And then um and that that kind of you know, there's no you can't if you if you go to three tournaments a year you can't win the league anyway. So even if I wanted to, there's no way of doing it. So instead, um I started just trying to go along and take things that I really, really loved and really, really enjoyed and um I'm very glad I did. Yeah, absolutely, and 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 I suppose that's uh, part of the sort of uh, drive behind um, something like Seven Stones is is theme. It's it's a kind of 
the ideal tournament. I, I, I know you and Tom uh, run it, and um, <laughs> I put that on. There were there were air quotes. The ideal tournament. But just just it's the it's what you would say is probably your ideal because I know um, you guys yeah. both say at the start that this is the tournament we'd love to go to, um, yeah. but obviously yeah, yeah, you can't because you're running it. And is that is that because you just love the the themey side of things and want want the game to reflect the the lore as much as possible? Well, I think so. Um, it's quite hard to remember now because that I think would we have I think last year would have been five years i think so does that mean we we launched it in 2015 maybe i think something like that and the, the game was in a bit of a different place then um you know it was the the independent scene was was incredibly competitive you know there, there were less tournaments and they were largely very very competitive tournaments and so we wanted to do something that put um really really put theme and fluff first and and then put on this tournament with with a kind of world cup group system and then with knockout um, games in the in the second day deliberately to stop people trying to game it. The idea was if you try and game it, it probably won't help you. You know, you might you might end up in a group of death, and if you lose your first game in in day two, um, you can't come back from it. You know, you can't submarine. So we we just tried to build in things like that, mm. and then and and made sure we talked about the you know the theme and the theme and and the main award goes to the person with the best theme. It doesn't go to the person who wins the most games. So all that kind of stuff. We just tried our best, and thankfully people. Over the years, have just got completely into it, yeah, and just really, really embraced it. And we've we've had very, very little trouble in the way of, you know, people bringing the wrong sort of army. If that makes sense. Yeah, I'm with you. Well, it, it, it's brilliant, and and I guess that that sort of fits nicely into what I'm talking about today, which is, um, which is theme and whether those profiles that we use in the game are. I suppose accurate in terms of the law, uh, if that's a, if that's the right mm. phrase to use, and. Um, so, so first of all, a headline for you. Um, what do you th- do? You think generally that the themes, that the, the profiles, sort of fit the the characters? They fit the kind of the law that Tolkien and the the films represent generally. Well, all of them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what, what's <laughs> yeah. the general yes. general consensus? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I, don't, I don't know. I, th- I think they do a pretty good job. I think I think you know some some do it better than others. I think there's some wonderful examples out there. Um, just ones ones that I haven't chosen. I know the. I think. Possibly the best bit of rules writing I've ever known Jay to do was the Nazgul of Dol Guldur. I think they, the way they die and then pop back, perfectly represents what they do in the film. If that makes sense, they, I think they, I've always loved that rule. I thought it was a really, when it came out in there and back again, I thought it was a really really interesting rules mechanic. It was unlike anything else in the game and represented, you know, what they do in the film spectacularly well. Yeah, that's a really good choice. And actually, I think um, uh, Nazgul in general are, are really well represented in yeah. the game. Um, it may be not the named ones as much, but they're, they're kind of because they're inventions almost. But the, the main vanilla ring wraiths and the Witch King and things like that, they are. They're, it's they're, changed very little, hasn't it? Yeah. I, think, I think the ring wraith um, profile is very, very similar to what it was in 2001 yeah absolutely and i suppose you know what if it ain't broke don't fix it um so so generally so you're you're, you're generally thinking well yeah okay it's fine uh, everything the profiles generally fit but but you've chosen a specific profile to talk about and and there are <laughs> there are a number of reasons why but just just t- tell us about your profile and what or, or your character and what you think about this generally and we'll we'll dive in a bit deeper in a sec okay so the the, the choice i've made is legless uh, Mr. Legolas Greenleaf. Um, yes, and I, I, I don't know what preamble there's been to this, but so I don't know where you want to start. But he, he's my favourite character in Middle Earth. So Legolas is hands down my favourite hero in the whole of Middle Earth, like from a from a lore perspective. So mm. that you know he, he's my 
he's my favourite character in Middle Earth, and so he, you know, that, that's why I've gone for him. Essentially, primarily that. Absolutely. And so, do you think the the profile in the game? Is, is an accurate representation of either the film or the book version. I mean, if he's your favourite character, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a high bar to, to live up to, I suppose. Um, honestly, I, I don't think it does. I don't think... I overly, Shock horror. I know, I know. What a twist. <laughs> um, in, there's, there's a couple of ways that I don't think it does that, bizarrely, I don't think he's a good enough archer, which might... You know, I'll have to, I'm going to have to qualify some of these things. Yeah. And I don't like his auto-hit rule. Um, like, like generally speaking. Well, so let's the... um, let's unpack that a bit because saying he's not <laughs> um, a good enough archer and mm-hmm, yet he yeah, can auto yeah. and you don't like the fact that yeah, he can auto yeah, hit I stuff. Know. Yeah. yeah. yeah I heard it too. <laughs> <laughs> so go on, well, let's let's unpack it first. So so why do you, don't you think Legolas is a good enough archer in the game? Okay, so I think I think if if you if you take out deadly shot for a minute, so yeah. the whole rule is called deadly shot, isn't it? But um, mm-hmm. if you take out that that two plus rule, he. He can. I think he can reliably kill a model a turn. Is that is that fair? Like three shots. Yeah, three he, shots he at strength three. You've got a good chance. Kill yeah. one guy. Yeah. And I think Legolas should be able to kill more than one per turn with shooting. If you look at what he does at Amon Hen and Helm's Leap and stuff. Yeah, that, so that's yeah, that's fair. I don't understand why Thrandall's got a two plus shoot value and he has three plus. You know, I, I've raised this point at, at one point on the GBHL and I said, "Why, why has Thrandall got a two? And then, and then loads of people like poo pooed me and said, "Oh no, he gets three shots," and "Oh yeah, he got an auto hit and all this." And I was like, "Yeah, but still, he gets three shots, but they're all worse." <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, and I know he's shooting a lot, but yeah, it, I, I kind it, of agree. I, I think that that comes from the early um, Fall of Necromancer, but doesn't it? Because Thrandall used to up, upgrade Wood Elves to be two plus shoot value back, mm. back in there. Back in the day, you could pay what they called Merkwood Guard, I want to say maybe. Um, but Wood Elf Warriors, you could pay, if you had Thranduil, you could pay an extra point, and then your Wood Elves would be two plus shoot. Oh, so, see, I, yeah, that, that's completely passed me by. That was before my time, I reckon. Was that before your time, yeah. a young whippersnapper? Yeah, yeah the, the original the original Fallen Necromancer source book that I was in. Oh. Um, and that, that, but that existed into. I'm sure that was in the Free People's book. That was your era. Yeah, well, I mean, I, sure I have many eras. I, I was in the very early <laughs> stage of the game, but um, I only really got stuck into it in the Hobbit Hobbit era. Um, yeah. But yeah, that may, maybe I probably I just don't remember it to be honest. I didn't don't think I encountered it. Might cost two points. Yeah, I, I mean, my, my I'm I'm tethered to my laptop by headphones, and so my my Free People's book is tantalising out of reach. <laughs> I feel like it was two points per model because it was such a good upgrade. And so obviously he's then two plus shoot because he can upgrade people to two plus shoot. But yeah, why that, not his son? Yeah, that, that does make sense. And I can understand that. I, I, I suppose there's probably arguments to be had about, you know, you don't want him to be too overpowered. But, but considering he is a shooting character, I'm kind of with you. It, it would make sense for him to be able to hit all the time on a two plus, right? Yeah, I, I, th- I think so. Okay. But then conversely, yeah, here we go. you have deadly shot. Which uh, used to be an auto hit, so you would only just roll to wound, and now of course you need a two plus, and um, and then you roll to wound, which I think is a great change that they made, but I don't think it's ever changed anyone's opinion of whether or not they'd use it. Does that make sense? If oh you, yeah, you if you want to kill yeah. Bolg's Warg, no one's not shooting at Bolg's Warg because you have to roll a two plus. No, it hasn't changed. It's just made it one in six times. You might have to spend a point on that or whatever. Yeah, exactly. It it adds an extra variable to mean that it doesn't come off some of the time, but it doesn't stop the amount of times people use it. But it's a it's a good change, certainly. So, so but, what's wrong with that? If if Legolas is yeah. meant to be a really good archer, what's wrong with mm-hmm. that? 
Because your question was, does it accurate, accurately represent what he does in the films and the books? Mm-hmm. And I don't think Legolas in the films or books spends his entire time shooting people's horses from a mile away. Well, what about the berserker that, that's about to blow up the uh, deeping wall? He doesn't kill him. <laughs> yeah, don't bring that well, up. That's the, this that's is one, the two this is one time he fails. He hits him twice. He gets the two. He gets the two plus, but he just doesn't wound. That's all. <laughs> doesn't doesn't do it. But he. <laughs> but yeah. what, what what he uses that rule for is is to be incredibly annoying to mm. play against. Right? He kills Stayedon's horse on turn one, yeah. and he kills Bolg's wag on turn one, and then he he kills your banner bearer, and that that's not what he does yeah. in the films and books. And I always thought that was meant to be that that rule got introduced to him in the big blue rule book, so he didn't have that um, throughout like Fellowship of the Ring, Two Towers, Return of the King editions. He could only shoot three times. He didn't have that rule, and that rule I've always pictured it as being the bit of Amon Hen, where he's you know where he shoots about seven guys, yeah, and the last guy he shoots is the one fighting Aragorn, yeah. And, and he, I've always taken yeah. it because it, it allows him to shoot into combat, right? And I've that's just and that's just my opinion, but I've always saw it as saving his mate. Right. It's a, a, a rule that allows him to shoot into combat and save his friend, which is cool. But, of course, what the rule allows you to do in the game is just shoot the most valuable thing in the opponent's army. So would you prefer it to be like subtly changed so that, for example, it's an auto-hit into a combat or something like that, that yeah, to save know, a friend? Do you know what? That, that, that would ex- be my, my exact change, that I would like it to be... If if an enemy friend is in combat, he can use the or you know a friendly models in combat. Mm. That's the fluff driven part of me actually um, would like it just to be a member of the fellowship. But for for better use in match play, I think if a friendly model is in combat, um, Legolas can hit that model on a two plus and then roll to win. Well, there you go. That well, and and do you have any other problems with the profile, or is it just is it just that one thing that gets you gets you really better? <laughs> I, re- I really like the new rule. I love the um, final count. Um, 42 is it I think it's called yeah I think he um, does. is it him Legolas has 43 and then Gimli yeah. has 42 or the way around I can't remember but that that rule's brilliant that was a lovely addition that makes Legolas and Gimli it feels utterly thematic it also allows Legolas potentially to get 2 plus shoot value which is quite nice um, but it's it was a lovely lovely addition I I, I, I would just bal- if, if I made his deadly shot worse I'd, I'd just be inclined to make his normal shots better I'd, I'd like him to be something like I'm not saying this wouldn't be wretchedly powerful, but something like a two-plus shoot value, and he could shoot four times a turn. Oh, oh. yeah, I know right? that that would be but, wretched. <laughs> but what that would mean is the default behaviour with Legolas was shooting loads and loads of arrows, and not killing people's horses. Yeah, although to play the devil's advocate here, if you're shooting four arrows at someone at two plus to hit, you're gonna get their boat. You're gonna get their yeah, horse, maybe. right? <laughs> but yeah, I suppose yeah. It's 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 interesting, and and actually, the more you think about it, the more you think, uh, yeah, you're you're right. There's, there's, it's hard to argue the the fluff argument there at the very least. And and is is that why you like Legolas? Is it that scene that the the sort of you know saving his friends from certain death and all that sort of stuff? It, or is there anything other that's particularly uh, grabs you about Legolas? I know you've spoken at length and written articles about this many times, but what is it about him for you? Yeah, I mean, what if you if you're really, you know, if, you, if you're opening up that jar, I, I kind it, of am a little, yeah. It, it go, it genuinely goes fully back to childhood for me. That when I was, I don't know, eight or nine or something, I loved Robin Hood. Mm. I was a huge fan of Robin Hood. I grew up on the um, the Richard Green TV series. I don't know if you remember that. It's like classic Robin Hood. It wasn't of my childhood, but the repeats that, on. That's like the Men in Tights version, isn't it? Yeah, but yeah, but <laughs> just without all the great songs. Yeah. Um, 
and and I loved Prince of Thieves. I still I still love Prince of Thieves. I think it's much maligned. I think it's brilliant. Um, but that came out in 1991 when I was like nine. Mm-hmm. And so as a kid, I loved Robin Hood. And I used to love climbing trees, and I like and Robin Hood's the coolest archer that ever lived, right? And yeah. so I liked really cool archers who live in trees. And then I I read The Hobbit when I was eight or nine, I think. And um, Mirkwood was my, my favourite section. I loved everything about Mirkwood, the spiders and the, the forest itself, and the elves and the barrels. And then of course that's full of elves and then when I read Lord of the Rings when I think I was 10 um, yet Legolas who's from Mirkwood and is a phenomenally cool archer and so he just, I just remember thinking he was like Robin Hood essentially so um, when I was when I was really little so just he was my favourite character as soon as I read the book I just loved him so, so is it therefore a little disappointing when you get him on the table I don't think so because I think he's very good on the table I think I think he's I think he's much much better in this edition because he's been toned down in a number of ways. The two the two plus instead of auto hit makes him more fun to play against. Um, what else did they change? He can't be your leader anymore mm. because of heroic tears. If you if you have Thranduil, people used to hide leg. You'd still have Thranduil, but they'd hide Legolas behind the lines and have him as the leader. You can't do that anymore. And his elven cloak doesn't protect him behind troops. Yes. So he's he's easier to get to. He was horrible to play against from about 2005 to 2018. That's interesting. Um, but I think he's a bit nicer now. Because from what I understand, you, you, your armies generally, I mean, you, you, you're famous in the SPG world for, for having an Urukai army, or at least that being your competitive <laughs> army. Yeah. Did, did you, was it, was it the, the, the Legolas being slightly overpowered that put you off using him as like a, a main tournament army? or? Um, not that I remember. I don't. I you know at, at that era, I don't think I would have done. I just, I just found a that kind of Urukai build at the time that worked. I've, I've never. I've, I don't have a. Um, I've got a Thrandall's Halls album army now, but obviously they weren't. They weren't really out then. Um, but I've never had a Lothlorien army, which you know I think. I think at that point, Lothlorien and Merkwood were the same army. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, I don't have like Galathrim painted or or Wood Elves painted or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So it, you know, beyond the fact that we can all obviously paint new models it was never really an option as a competitive army um tom harrison had it that was his his first kind of competitive army the stuff where he did really well with when he won i think when he won throne of skulls and when he was nearly winning the league he was using largely using his um like lothlorien elves well, there you go. Well, and so as if that's that, if that's the kind of disappoint, slightly disappointing profile. I mean, I know we touched on Nazgul of Dol Gulder. Are there any other profiles that jump immediately to your head? And I know you didn't prepare for this, but the, the, to, to, <laughs> I asked you earlier, did I have to prepare? <laughs> uh, the, are there that? any others that you immediately go, oh yeah, this is a great profile. That's a great profile. Profile, or th- <laughs> this is a particularly bad one, and this will be the last thing. I, I don't. Without sounding like a, a broken record, um, you might not be surprised by this answer, but I've always thought Tariel's profile is really good. <laughs> <laughs> like genuinely, like because you, the the blade mistress rule, which um, she was the the joint first to get it, wasn't she? In the in the Desolation Smaug supplement, her and the Mirkwood Rangers got it at the same time, so before Thranduil got it. And what that makes it makes you use the model in the in the way she is in the films. It, it encourages you to charge into two orcs and cut them both up. Mm. So it, it's the same. As, I think that's a really good profile. If it, not just if if the rule reflects it, but if it if it changes the way you use the model. If you you know if you if you did, she didn't have that rule, she'd only charge one orc right most of the time and yeah. she'd try and kill it. 
Whereas because she has that rule, it makes her do the thing that she does in the film, which is spin through lots of orcs and chop things up. And... And... Sorry if that hauntingly authentic replication gets your video taken down by YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that, that absolutely, I, I think you've summed it up there. That is exactly what uh, I wanted to get out of this segment, is, is talking about those models that do make you act like the movie. And ultimately, the game, or, or the books, uh, the, the game is designed to you know, try and replicate those books and those games. And I think it becomes the most enjoyable when it when it does do exactly mm. that. So I think it's it's great it's great to highlight those ones and, and Tara what about you? another great example. Oh oh you see nobody's nobody's yet asked me this. That's question. the thing I was like no one's gonna ask you. No <laughs> Well I, I think I, I think um on off the top of my head I do really like um Aragorn's mighty hero rule. Um because there would if if I was building the game and I'm I'm not a games designer so I'd be crap at it but if I was building a game <laughs> I think um I would instinctively go well Aragorn's got to be like strength 5 or strength yeah. 6 yeah, yeah. and he's got to be have a really high fight value and all this sort of stuff but it's a very uh, clever way of doing it to say actually Aragorn is just a man or a, you know a, a decent fighter man but he's just like so tenacious i mean he's actually a terrible general he charges in at the wrong times he jumps off ladders and he does loads of stupid things but he's, <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> I mean, he does all the things that if you were in a war uh, you you really shouldn't do but because he's lucky and or or like heroic it, it feels he's got right. a mic point. Yeah, he's, he's got, got a, a mic point, point to yeah. save him from those situations where really... He should stay at the top yeah. of the stairs, shouldn't he? Yeah, he really should. He, he just kills all those Uruks one at a time, kills <laughs> a lot of them, and he inexplicably jumps on them. <laughs> yeah, straight up onto the top of the pikes. And, and then who saves him? Uh, yeah, yeah, of course. But there, there, there are loads of moments like that. And, and actually, I think um, another one that I really do like are um, the uh, the Nazgul on uh, Fell Beasts. I think now they're much better because yeah, um, you don't... You have to assassinate with them rather than charging into troops because they're yes. not as good as they they once were. Um, so I love them, and also Sauron because Sauron's just a beast, and I love all his special rules that allow him to do the things that that you want him to do in the game. Um, yeah, he should be unstoppable. Yeah, he is. And he, I think is. Azog's good. I think Azog's rule makes you go hunting heroes. Mm. And if you if you watch him in the film, that's what he does, right? If you look him at as an Elvisor, he he strides into Thor and takes him out, and then he strides after Thrain and he takes him out, and then he strides after Thorin and you know, having that rule makes you charge enemy heroes. It's quite good fun. Yeah. I remember yeah. playing with him um, at Warhammer World Doubles. I, w- I was playing with um, Troki and we, I had Bolg and a bunch of Gundabads and he had Azog and Hunter Orcs. And he killed something. It was 800 points, I think. And I think he killed like eight heroes in the game. Nice. But it, 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 was, it was rancid. You know, he'd just <laughs> charge one, he'd charge a hero, heroic combat, and kill another hero. And it was it was just relentless, you know. And a lot a lot of them were like your minor, your captains and stuff. But mm. he he clocked up something like eight heroes in the, across the across the game. It was wonderful to watch. Yeah, no, that 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 is a really good choice. And actually, I have I'm I'm slowly building up a, a, a hunter orc and um, Gundabad army. I've got the are literally the next box to open. I've got the hunter orcs mm. painted. I've got the wargs ready, and then I'm going to treat myself with uh, one either Bolg or Azog at some point, and then do more Gundabads, and then do Azog or whichever way around yeah. it is. I can't wait to do it but um uh, the other the other one that i think that, that's slightly weaker um in terms of because i'm trying to do a balance of both good and and bad profiles um i would say easterlings are probably my dis- one that i'm a bit disappointed about easterling troops i feel like when they walk in in that cool phalanx 
I really want them to mm-hmm. be as cool as that. And they just never feel like they're quite as cool as that on the battlefield. But I know we never see them really fighting except in like the background of scenes in Minas Tirith and all that sort of stuff. And you only vaguely hear about them in the backstory. But um, I wish they had a bit more oomph. So uh, that would be my other one. But yeah, other than that, um, yeah, I think I, I actually agree just, with you. you, you I'm looking through look. the cabinet now. Like, like see who's in there to sort of see if anyone particularly... Um... Yeah, catches my eye. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm also doing the same now. <laughs> <laughs> great yeah, great, great audio content. Anyway, the one in bear form does a great job of being a bear. That's a good one. Uh, yes, and actually, <laughs> uh, that may may also be in this podcast. So, um, brilliant oh, uh, from good. from one of my other uh, other talkers. So, um. Uh, well, Damien, thank you very much for coming on. Um, this is this was ba- basically this whole whole subject was inspired by your deep dive into uh, Faramir on the battle streams in Middle Earth. I think oh. uh, was it two weeks ago or was it the a month ago now? Either way, it was. Uh, if you haven't uh, watched Battle Streams in Middle Earth, search out that one and um, watch four hours of content. And in it, there is about ten minutes where you go really deep into Faramir, which is fantastic, and I love it. I haven't, yeah, I didn't even go. I didn't. I just realised I haven't even gone into Leggy. No, no, dive, yeah, yeah. There is a, there is actually more deep dive content. I mean, de- <laughs> I, I, I would, I would ask you to do it, but I fear, I fear we might deep it, dive deep into a pool. But there are, there is like a lot, a lot of stuff that you, you really do love about Legolas, and and you've written about him in SBG as well. But I mean, I, 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 I almost want the headlines, but I know that might tease you out, tease it out of you. Yeah, no, I, I, I just think he's very cool. He doesn't, he doesn't change a lot. You know, like some some of them changed an awful lot in the mm. development. He's not like that. He's a little more. Um, he starts off a little more scared. I think a little more like you know the elves in the Hobbit are a bit. Um, what word is like mischievous? They they're laughing at the dwarfs and saying don't dip your um, don't dip your beard in the water and all that sort of stuff. Mm. And there's a bit of that. He um, he he really pisses off Gandalf like on Caradhras, and he he says something like um, you know you know there's a there's a line where he says someone i can't remember in the final book someone says to gandalf can't you just make fire and and gandalf says i, I need wood to burn i can't make it anything like that mm. and th- there's a line in an original draft where he says where legolas has said it and he says um i could turn legolas into a flaming torch if that will serve he would burn bright while he while he lasted <laughs> and like he, he sort of threatens to set legolas on fire i love that and, that, uh, that yeah. is a, that is a side of gandalf i wish we'd seen a bit yeah more. well it's, it's just like the irritable and then in um in moria he gets legolas gets he gets shot by a goblin arrow on the bridge of Khazad-dûm shot in the shoulder falls down and crawls back across the bridge it's like, he crawls on all fours across the bridge I'm like well, I'm glad they got rid of that yeah. <laughs> so, and these, so I, these... I think that original version of him was a little bit more I, I don't know sprightly almost ah. and the, these are all from um, what what Tolkien's like the letters is it or, or was it a part that, of the War of the Ring and things that's like that? from the history of Middle Earth yeah. so uh, it will be in It'll be in, I think, the, either the Treason of Isengard or the War of the Ring yeah. volumes of it. Yeah, like they're the early drafts of those of those parts of the books. And they are fascinating. Those things they are absolute mm. tomes. Um, I've got yeah, them piled yeah, on the, the side, and I have read some of them. And it's almost like reading um, someone's uh, kind of notes for a book, yeah, which is exactly brilliant. what they them. are. But um, they're, they're interesting if you're int- so interested in the uh, the book. But I'm glad that you've read them so that I can just <laughs> glean some info from you about them. But I mean, I must yeah, admit, I, I remember from the book uh, uh, reading the books. Well, actually, I, I don't really remember Legolas at all from the, reading the books. Um, <laughs> I, he just he was never a standout character for me at all. So it, it's nice to hear that obviously he's made an impact in some way, but it just shows how uh, how maybe yeah, that's the great thing about it, isn't it? Everyone takes 
takes different things from it. I think everyone focuses on different, you know, so it's a long enough book that there's there's enough for different people to find different things for them to pull out of. He's a superhero, man. He doesn't sleep. He doesn't leave footprints. He's he's incredible. Yeah, but, you know... Does he, he can walk on falling rocks. He doesn't have <laughs> gravity. Oh, yeah. Well, let, let's not get into that, because I know <laughs> that, that's, that's the sort of thing that, that causes Sad controversy times. indeed. Well, yeah. uh, uh, Damien, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the podcast again. Uh, last time I think we spoke was at Seven Stones for the podcast with Tom as well. So it's nice yeah, to have you on in, yeah. in this form. And, Back in the world that was. Uh, indeed. Well, once again, I'm sure. Uh, in, in terms of Seven Stones, I, I think, from what I understand, it's been cancelled this year, but it hopefully will return uh, next year next may yeah so l- last year we we postponed to september and then had to cancel that and this year i, I don't think we've we certainly not officially announced it but i, I think i don't think we're going to go through the thing of postponing it to september because i think it just raises that extra uncertainty mm. Think things look a little more hopeful than last time i t- talked to tom about it in yeah. terms of september but i still don't think we're there yet no. so we need to have a little bit of a chat about it and I'm not in a I'm not in a rush to try and cram people back into a hall, and I think Seven Stones that you, you've been before. It's always been about fancy dress and people hugging and laughing, and it's I, I don't think it's the sort of tournament where we want lots of masks and social distancing. You know, I don't yeah I don't think it's a yeah, I, I completely understand that. that. Well, you heard it here first on Entmoot. Uh, it's not been decided <laughs> yeah. yet. <laughs> Tra- yeah, tragically depressing world exclusive. <laughs> well, yeah, it's unlikely to be this year. So. Ah, well, well, I, I'm sure it, when it returns, it will return all the all the better for it. So, uh, Damien, thank you very much for your time uh, here on Entmoot. And it's it, it, as I said, it was inspired by you. So I'm glad to have uh, managed to have a chat with you about your favourite hero and uh, favourite profiles. Well, thank you very much, Harry. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. Damien O'Byrne there and uh, if you're looking for fantastic hobby content you can do absolutely no worse than checking out battle streams in Middle Earth Uh, uh, not just the battle streams themselves which are an absolute delight uh, especially to watch along live to Um, I can imagine watching back to four hours or so of chatter um, is is less valuable on uh, on catch up but actually I've done it um, a few times I've caught up and it's just it's just lovely to have two guys having a natter uh, talking occasionally about uh, the the hobby but uh, also delving deep into the game and and the history and the nostalgia and uh, the whole point of it is to clear your backlog and paint some old models that perhaps you wouldn't normally paint um, in the course of uh, course of normal things if you're planning for tournaments and things like that and it's been it's been very helpful for me. I've painted loads of things I wouldn't have planned to do if it wasn't for that. So um, really good, including things like Faramir, the uh, the uh, the Ranger model, which was an absolute pig to paint. Awful, awful model. Um, I, I really hated doing the silver in the thing. I mean, it's a nice model, but it's an, it was annoying to paint the armor, the silvery filigree bit in the armor. But either way, uh, great great stuff uh, from um, Damien and uh, Steve on the Battle Streams in Middle Earth channel on YouTube. Just search it out. Uh, and the the Fantasy Fellowship uh, Damien does with um, Tom Macklin is Brill. It's it's really nice thematic battle reports of, you know, the, the, the sort of little scenarios in the... Um uh, in in the quest of the Ringbearer book, but uh, really lovely, um, lovely sort of bookends that he does. Uh, really thematic, beautiful uh, bookends with uh, members of the community voicing some of the characters. So uh, if you if you head over to there, uh, then you'll find lots of glorious hobby content. And of course, SBG Magazine. If you've never encountered this before, it's a delightful, um, reminiscent magazine, um, basically reminiscent of the days of White Dwarf Magazine um, when they used to do loads of Lord of the Rings content, which is of course lesser of late, which is 
fine, I don't mind. But um, yeah, SBG Magazine has basically filled that hole uh, with delightful SBG content. So pick that up if you can. I think you just search SBG Magazine and there's a website and an email and all that. And there's actually some free PDFs for some of the early magazines on the web if you want to dip your toe in before buying the new ones. So there you go. Uh, that's Damien. Um, oh gosh, I've forgotten Jeremy. He's been left in the green room all this time. Uh, let's go back to Jeremy and find out his last choice for a good character, a good profile, which accurately reflects someone from the books or films. Thank you, Harry. This is a much shorter break this time. Thank you for having me back. No, no, you're you're welcome. You're welcome. Yeah, I mean, we, we chatted earlier, obviously, about your favourite evil profile, but mm. I thought it's only right that we give you a chance to talk about uh, the good profile. I just want to check while while you're on the line, was the green room okay? Because, uh, uh, you know, people have complained about the sandwiches. I was more concerned that you had uh, you didn't fulfil my request to remove all the red M&Ms. <laughs> damn, damn, sorry about that. Uh, we'll we'll get that on get on that for next time. But yeah, yeah, either way, uh, <laughs> either way, welcome back, welcome back. And we talked talked earlier about the ring wraith being a, an excellent evocative profile for the evil side. Um, and you, you, when when we were talking in this, you mentioned two profiles sort of at the top of your list. Um, and this good one actually surprised me because. I kind of disagree that, that this is a good profile, but I'll, I'll let you uh, explain who it is and why you think it is, and then I'll, I'll see if I still agree at the end. <laughs> okay, okay. Oh, I like this. I've, I've got to justify. So I grew up with... My introduction to Lord of the Rings was, of course, the Hobbit book. Um, my dad read it to me as a kid over and over and over and over again. I think I had, it at some point, the first like four chapters memorized, and, and you know, in that, that kid way where you just, just get so obsessed with something that, that you know yeah. it off by heart. So I always uh, remember one character in The Hobbit that, that stood by me, when they first go to, to see Bayorn and the Gandalf's intimidated by, the, by this man and he is telling the, the dwarves that we have to go in one at a time and, 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 and distract him with a story because he, he is a bit of a threat and even the dwarves are intimidated, by, intimidated by, by Bayorn and then you find out later on that even with Bayorn's story and he's willing to house him, he had to go and check and, and go find out for himself so went turned into a hunting bear in the night and, and went and basically find out of their story the, these dwarves and, and wizard were telling the truth and, and the fact that he allied with them just because of his hatred for the, for the goblins and, and then at the end in the five armies just in bear form turned up and basically turned the tide i thought that that was just such a a powerful character and i think in game it represents that to me because you've got the start you've got an intimidating man and and that's how he starts on the board and it's one that that is a threat on his own he's one that you want to kind of stay away from as an opponent as a player you want to make sure you you get him stuck in and use his intimidation but at, at at some point in the game you turn into a bear and when you do you, you are incredibly powerful in the same way that I imagined it in The Hobbit where there's this just element of nature type threat where it's going and just destroying line after line, but it's an uncontrollable rage. And what I really like about it from a narrative point of view is they've included that fact that, that Bayon as a bear loses control, doesn't really want to join his battle line. He's no longer interested in that. He's not worried about his allies. He's just going chasing after whatever's put in front of him. And he just keeps going and keeps charging and keeps attacking until you bring him under control and manage to, to turn him back into a man where he has some control again. So I think that for me really stands out. I really love these characters that have this, this inbuilt weakness that's narrative weakness so and I think Bayon definitely has that I understand there's probably not enough like honey breads and um 
that sort of like gardens around when he's around. But I just, it always stood out to me when he was released that, that I thought they did this character well. I thought it was, it was definitely appropriate. It was what I imagined. And, and he's got that real, I said it for the race, that menace to him. He's, he's that, that guy that, that's, that's mysterious. He's, he looks like a man, but he's clearly much bigger than a man. And then when he's a bear, he just, you force just scatters around him and, and he scatters. He could be anywhere on the board running around. I, I, I must admit, the way you've described it, you, you do you do sell it a little bit. And um, I mean, yes, you're right. The lack of honey is is an issue. I think there should definitely be some special about <laughs> honey. But I knew you'd be onto that. <laughs> yeah, that's that. That is the main criticism I have. No, no, I think the main criticism I would have of this profile, although it, it's very complex, it's very kind of um, interesting and yeah, thematic because you know you can do the change and 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 he becomes much more powerful. I mean, just looking and it goes from that sort of strength five, defense five to like strength eight, defense eight, and all that sort of stuff, and they doubles his fight value nearly to mm. up to eight and so on. So so you do feel like it, uh, he has the ability to kill someone like Bolg uh, as he does in the book. Yeah. yeah. Um, but but I do think that maybe this is coming from me uh, ha- having more memory of the movies now than I do of the the books. I haven't read uh, read the book a, a loads of times. I certainly didn't grow up with it. But I kind of feel like I want him to be a bit more powerful at chomping through troops. And and the one thing I think that, that is missing from this profile, especially for the price of two hundred points, is that I think think he should deserve something like monstrous charge or or something that sort of conveys that element of charging and and destroying and bowling through uh, sort of orcs. What do you think? I I can see that point in terms of the uh, the naming of the rule, but on the battlefield he does that. The way he sweeps through lines, he's he's throwing things around, he's smashing lines. He's he's more than comfortable to go into a couple models and just knock them out every turn. So I find that that yeah, I could see I could see a monstrous charge adding in absolutely, but I just I just see him doing damage whenever he goes in anyway. So I'm not as uh, as fussed about that. I think. I guess the the monsters tend to do that for me anyway, and I just I see a monster that that is incredibly threatened to someone like Bolg, and there's not a lot of things that threaten a Bolg, but but he was the big bad guy in the, the Hobbit, uh, the books anyway. So I've gone more from the book point of view, and yeah, then sure. Bay- Bayorn was the one that that had to come and and save the day. It wasn't going to be Thorin's company that did it, or even Gandalf. It was it was Bayorn that eventually came and, and did the deed, and I think that's what he does. He definitely goes after things and and. The idea of him bear hugging Bolg would be uh, intimidating as a Bolg player. <laughs> I, yeah, I absolutely agree with that. I think think the the monster charge. I, I want something that would convey the kind of the idea of him bowling through troops. Because <laughs> am I right in thinking he can't um, he can't do like a heroic combat or anything while he's a bear? Because uh, yeah, well, he's I, got I, the barge. Oh, he has a barge. Okay, yeah, yes, that, he's got a barge, and, and he's monster. still got might. Why would why wouldn't he be able to do heroic combats? Have I missed something in the I profile? Thought, I, maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. It's just that, that when when I, I haven't looked at the profile in a while, but it doesn't does he not have might as the as the bear, or does he retain the might from the the, the model? I, I'm, to be honest, I haven't played as in a lot. I, so I, okay, I'm, well, uh, your listeners will definitely correct this on this as well because I, I I was under the impression that he definitely retains the heroic stats, but um I know there was a debate recently on one of the forums about whether he retains his axe, and I, I think everyone just laughed that one <laughs> off, which um which yes, makes they sense. Did, yeah, <laughs> but the um the might I thought he he kept it. Uh, yeah, you're probably right. You're probably right. I, I've, I, I'll let me just have a glance at it. Uh, yeah, yeah, good idea. Good because, idea. Yeah. Uh, uh, okay. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at it. I'm looking at it. It doesn't. Oh, he does. He does keep. He adopts the appropriate profile and characters. Builds. 
Oh yeah, okay, that's fine. He does keep the might. So then, in fact, I'm less I'm less worried about it then, because uh, if you can still heroic combat, um, then then he does still have that sort of impetus, that kind of monstrous uh, ability. And with three attacks at strength eight, yeah, you, you you're not too worried about him um, fluffing his rolls too often, I guess. Yeah, and some of these characters, if you go exactly as they were in the books or the movies, they wouldn't really be a gaming piece. Because if you had mm. someone like like Bayorn as he was in in the books at full power. Like who's standing up to that except for something like a Smaug? Like there's not really, and that's not fun from a game point of view. So I think they've really uh, done a good job making him incredibly intimidating. And we've uh, we've had stories of him taking down a Mumak, which is of course not what happened in the books. But that uh, that that absolute threat of Bayorn just can go and take on something big and and just tear it down, as you would imagine a big giant bear would. And and that's well, it doesn't happen very often. But that's the kind of power that this guy has, and the only way to really mitigate that is just by baiting him around the board and, and get him to chase these goblins that he hates so much that he's willing to go after. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah, well I, I think I'm 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 pretty much convinced. I'm pretty much convinced. I wonder what people at home will say. Um uh, if you if you agree or disagree, get in touch. Entmootpodcast at gmail dot com or or just bombard Jeremy with messages on Facebook. <laughs> yeah, yeah, please do. <laughs> Excellent. Well, Jeremy, thank you very much uh, for coming on to the podcast to discuss all this. I mean, just before we sign off, um, do you think generally that the new uh, profiles, sort of, say, for example, the Forge Wheel profiles or or any of those, uh, are, are as good as the older ones for for matching up to the characters from the books or the films? That's a that's a really interesting question. I hadn't put a huge amount of thought into that. I think a whole, along the whole way, we've got a bit of a a mixed bag. And I think the characters that get more screen time are the ones that are, are more interesting. So I think things, um, some of those new characters, what are some of the new Forger ones? I thought some of the Gondor ones are really good. Um, yeah. The Warden of the Keys. Um, is that Hurin? I think it is. Hurin, yeah, that's it. Yeah. yeah. I thought that he did a, Hurin the Tall was a was a really good one. Um, I thought the the new Ranger characters were really bit characters, so it's really hard to, to know what to do with them. Like they're not, yeah. they don't get any screen time really at all. I thought the, uh, the, the Hobbit book was fantastic for all the Hobbit characters in there with things like Ted Sandyman and um, uh, like a Bill Fernie and all these sort of guys. Yeah, your Will Whitfoots and things like that. Yeah. I, I must agree. I, I think the Hobbits were, um, despite apparently uh, Jay, the rules writer, writing that one in, in sort of record quick times, I think it was uh, some of the best profiles to match, you know, the, the maybe not the most competitive ones, but they certainly match the uh, the characters and, and the kind of feel of the Shire really, really well. So I, I think that he did a great, great, great job on that one. And um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm inclined to agree that maybe the Ranger models and some of the, so I, I think, they're, in, they're they're consistently kind of or, uh, different, I guess. Uh, well, I suppose inconsistent is the uh, the better better way of saying that. Um, but they're sort of uh, I, I do enjoy reading new profiles and seeing what they come up with, and uh, and hopefully that long may that continue. Things like you know Barlam and Butterbur appearing and really yeah. uh, really kind of appear, appearing out the sidelines and making you think. Well, I'd, I'd never expected a profile for that. No, but it's not did. a bad profile for that. Yeah. So there you go. And I don't believe Jay when he says that took him two weeks to do that Hobbit book. I think he was secretly working on that on work time for, for way before then but just didn't want to admit it you know how sometimes you go into work and I know about you you Harry but sometimes I'm, I've got a bit of a side project going on while I'm doing my main projects but you don't yes. advertise that you don't really want to just go out and say hey instead of planning my, uh, my classes for this week I went and uh, I was building my spreadsheet skills and, and maybe doing some stat analysis or something like that you don't want to admit to it so I agree I th- yeah I know exactly the thing and I will not admit to it here <laughs> no no so I think, what? I think that happened I don't I don't think two weeks is true. It was too good a book. 
too good a book well uh, Jeremy thank you very much for, for coming on and and of course if people want to hear more from you they should try out the uh, Green Dragon podcast if they haven't already it's fantastic mm, yeah thank you very much always a joy to have Jeremy from the Green Dragon podcast on Entmoot and I think that will be it for the day or for the podcast um, it's been it's been great actually really fantastic delving into maybe not the gamey side of things but talking a little bit about those profiles those actual the mechanics of the game I always find really interesting um, so I, I was glad to delve into it I hope you liked it too um, it's, it was designed um, more as a contrast to the previous episode which was all about you know super competitive tactics which which I've, I must admit I found really really interesting and I'm, I'm I, from what from what people have said they have as well um, so I hope you enjoyed this sort of contrast to that a bit more themey side of it a bit more talking about the uh, the fluff of the game and the the profiles and how they reflect the books and the lore um, I will hopefully uh, do both of these things again I'm intending on doing a, a sort of uh, analysis of tactics um, with some more of the uh, the pros from around the world. Um, I was uh, focusing on the UK pros first, and then now I think I think uh, it, I'll try and get some Europeans and some Americans and Australians, but uh, maybe not all at once. Um, but uh, that's the plan. Um, of course, best laid plans of mice and men, uh, you know, often go awry or whatever the phrase is. Um, but I'd definitely like to revisit that at some point because I think there's definitely more to chew over in terms of actual tactics from the winners across the globe. So um, keep an ear out for that and if you have any recommendations for people to talk to absolutely get in touch um i obviously know a few people from around the world from names but uh, i don't know all of the people and maybe there's someone in your local community who's who's really good at the game and who's never really been on podcasts or videos or anything like that i'd love to find them and talk to them as as in this podcast you know i yes i spoke to damien and um uh, Damien and uh, Jeremy from the Green Dragon, but uh, it's it's Nathan as well, who's a, a new voice of the community. I'm always searching for new voices to talk to, new fresh perspectives. Um, so that that just makes it what 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 I think Entmoot is meant to be. Um, it, even though I can't go to tournaments at the moment, um, at least at the very least, I'll be able to sort of meet lots of different people and get their ideas. So so without uh, much further ado, that's it for the podcast. Entmootpodcast at gmail If you have any queries, questions, or recommendations of guests for the future or even topic ideas always keen always keen to uh, try and do what you uh, you think you'd want to hear so get in touch on endmootpodcast at gmail.com and also try and guess that riddle in the dark as well I think you might get it this week scroll back through if you can't remember what it sounds like with that thanks for listening Boo-ah-roo.